Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody. This is Truth Light, and our show is The Light of Truth. And today we are welcoming my friend and former teacher, uh, Robert Bowerly. <clears throat> and I believe Robert is going to sort of take us through looking at what happens in society. You know, the world is just kind of one big picture, you know, and so. Sometimes when we get what's happening outside of ourselves, you know, in society, in the world, that kind of thing, we can actually bring it back home to what's happening in our own little world too. So it's interesting because uh, since over the years that I've known him, Robert has um, become a little more outspoken as far as, you know, how he sees the energy moving through what people typically call politics and world government and that kind of thing. And, but it's not a political view. It's, it's really looking at the energy and how it works through these things and then seeing how is that affecting our lives and moving through our lives. So it's definitely a unique perspective. I hope you'll join us for today's show. Um, it's never boring when Robert's here. And uh, it is definitely a different look that can actually – um, begin to give us a new perspective on how things work um, just energetically in our world. It's kind of neat to look at it from that point of view instead of um, instead of just the typical, you know, people get fired up and emotional. And he's also going to go into, you know, what helps us keep a balanced, healthy, forward motion life, I believe, versus um, just getting caught up in circles. And so, he has a, a lot of a lot of different things to communicate, so you know we never really know which direction it will go, and uh, it's just kind of a mystical point of view on the real world or the regular world, I should say, 3D happenings. So it's kind of neat, and uh, I do notice I'm yammering on and on because <laughs> I see him calling in and going out and calling in and going out. So he must be having um, some issues getting through to the blog talk line. So we're going to. Uh, we're going to wait for him to to be able to get through and and have it stick. So um, in the meantime, um, I am Truth Light, and I am your guide through the show today. <laughs> I hope you guys will uh, come back and join us every day, and I hope you'll hit follow on the Blog Talk Show as well, or the the Blog Talk button and Facebook and whatnot. Um, I've been ah, let's see, we have Robert. Let's see, let's pull him over and see if we can keep him here this time. Hello. Let's see. How you doing? How you doing? There you are. All right. Hi. So we got you this time, huh? I see Absolutely. you pop in and pop out a couple of times here. Yeah, wouldn't answer on my end, but we're here now. All right. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. So welcome, and uh, good, to, good to have you back. We try to have Robert on about once a month. And uh, just kind of gives you guys some new topics and new things to listen to, so it's not always just my voice. <laughs> and uh, definitely some topics I wouldn't typically pick, but that are very interesting. So what are we going to talk about today? I tried to explain a little bit, but I'm sure you can do a better job since it's your topic. Well, it's about manipulation in society. I would say what we're going to look at is also some tools of what I would call practical activism about how we can take a look at uh, understandings within ourselves and our own state of consciousness to be able to be aware of when we're being gotten into that gotcha zone of being manipulated and so we can pull away from it. And so we're going to take a look at a few things first. Um, Hopefully we're going to have some fun today. Well, that's good. We like fun. <laughs> Definitely. One you know, we, thing, it's funny because we, I'm, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll just be real yeah. brief. So I'm, yeah. In case anybody out there is listening who can help me with this, I'm, I've put some feelers out to get a, a professional intro and outro to the show, <laughs> you know. And uh, in the description <laughs> of the show, just a brief description, I, uh, I was saying how, you know, we deal with some pretty heavy topics and pretty serious topics, but... We always kind of work to keep it fun because <laughs> I just think, you know, yeah, there's a lot of serious stuff happening and, yeah, we deal with a lot of deep stuff here, but 
can still smile and laugh and have a good time while we're doing it. So <laughs> so hopefully these people that I've put feelers out to for this for this intro thing will uh we'll see who gets it, you know, who gets the feel yeah. of the show. But anyway. So yes. All right. So where are we going first, sir? Well, first, uh, I guess you could say manipulation has to do with uh, we want to go one way and somebody or something is putting pressure on us to go in a different direction. We find ourselves going there and then we realize, how did I wind up here? You know, I want to go to uh, Los Angeles and I wind up, keep winding up in New York. Why is that? You know? <laughs> and uh, that's one thing. And there are different tools that people who are consciously manipulating. We talked about conscious and unconscious manipulation. We're going to talk more about conscious manipulation, but also consciously how to avoid it today. So just for, uh, let me just put this out there real quickly, um, because most mm-hmm. of our listens come from the archives. I would say mm-hmm. probably 98% of our listens come from the archives. So anybody okay. who happens to be listening through the archives, you'll find another show. I think Robert is kind of picking up is this correct? You're picking up kind of where we left off with the other show or going more in-depth with some of that stuff? Yeah. Okay, so if you go through the archives, I don't remember which date it was, but you'll see Robert Bowerly guest or special guest Robert Bowerly, and, and the last show that Robert was on is, is kind of – so you may want to listen to that show as well if you're listening on the archives. So just having said that, so they'll have a point of reference when they you know want to dive more deeply into this show. So, okay, now carry on. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Good enough. Want to give them all their tools. Anyway, one of the tools, uh, let's talk about the, some of the tools that uh, conscious manipulators will use. Uh, one of the main ones is really what I would say misdirection. And misdirection is something that every magician talks about. And when you, do, when you learn how to do good, you know, sleight of hand, you're learning tricks of misdirection. There's a movie that just came out about magicians getting involved in some things. It's, it's quite interesting. It's called uh, Now You've Seen It. The very opening scene is this guy shuffling cars, and he says, come in close, even closer, closer still. And the closer you come, the less you're going to see and the easier it's going to be for me to trick you. <laughs> and so I go on, wow. And he said that in about two and a half, two or three <laughs> sentences, you know. And that's kind of what we're talking about. It's like if you put something in your left hand, you start put it way out to your left side, you put something in your right hand, and you focus closely on your left hand, do you see your right hand? Obviously not. Well, that's kind of what happens. And that kind of misdirection is happening all around us. Uh, one of the ways that uh, manipulators, conscious manipulators, or conscious manipulation is done is through really an understanding of what I would call on a spiritual level, um, uh, kind of like the main areas of our state of consciousness are inner modes of communication. And they have an understanding of this uh, to some degree. We're going to have a little better understanding, hopefully. One of the main things to understand that the three areas we're going to talk about here are true feelings, intellect, and emotions. Let's take them one at a time. We'll start with the Let's start with the intellect first. That's the thinking, you know, fact-finding part of us that wants to know all the facts and uh, put things together, put things together. And it's uh, not the leader of us, really. It doesn't make a good leader because its job is conjecture. You know, well, if that's going to happen, you could have this, you could have this, you could have this, you could have this, or you could have this. Kind of the the analytical part. That's kind of, yeah, that's your uh, intellect. Now, intellect is a wonderful tool. And an offshoot of that is what we call our emotions. Everybody wants feelings into emotions. Let me give you a different viewpoint here. Our emotions are an offshoot of our intellect where once we have certain concepts, uh, sometimes we have emotional re- we have learned emotional reactions to them. Oh, fairness, let's say, is a concept. And uh, the emotion might be, oh, that's not fair. Oh, my goodness. What can we do to make that right? All those poor people and they start to pity people or something like that if something's unfair or feel something that's been done to us isn't fair. And our emotions get into having a reaction to it. The trick is our emotions, we get lost in our emotions and it's like going round and round in circles. and It keeps on going and it keeps pumping itself up. 
But we'll talk about our true feelings. Our true feelings are the feelings of what we really feel as a soul on the inside. And when we hit our true feelings, some of them might be uh, see something negative at first, but it's the part of us that's the naturally solution-oriented part of us. We could, we could call it the inner bullshit grinder. It's the one, it's the part of us that is our intuition, our gut feeling, our inner knowing, that if we trust that, you know, first impression of our gut feeling, inner knowing, we're usually in good shape. If we don't and we get lost into thinking about it too much, sometimes we wind up in another direction. So we can wind up, you know, getting off track on the inside sometimes. The trick is to be able to tune back into our true feelings. In a spiritual sense, learning how to center ourselves in some way, like meditation, deep breathing, self-guided or guided, you know, meditation, something to get back down to that center of our true feelings again. And once we get there, it's really hard for anybody to manipulate us. So you know, I want to zone, just, can I just put sure. one little thing in there? Because one of the things that I see happen all the time is people trying to find how do they get to that center and and thinking mm. that they have to go through the through meditation, through whatever, the, the typical. What I find is, and I just <laughs> want to share this, it's whatever sure. clears clears your mind and puts you in that good, clear state of being. So for some people, centering yourself can be gardening, it can be jogging, it can be working mm-hmm. with your hands, it can be anything that just clears your mind and gets everybody else's crap out. You know, it's it's kind of like wringing out the sponge, whatever makes you feel clearer. So I just wanted to interject that because I think that's, that's a big stumbling block for a lot of people. So... I won't go on about that. Just, you guys, it can be anything that clears no. your mind and makes you feel at peace. That's it, you know. So carry That's on. Good. I'm sorry. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> That's good. I mean, another uh, thing that is really quick, that, you know, like, I'd I love to have, like, what I call hip pocket tools, you know. Right. Things you can do, you know, you start getting blown off your uh, your center, start feeling, like, lost in your emotions, like you're in, at work or whatever. And what helps me is to get back to, you know, taking a couple deep breaths, turning maybe even while I'm sitting there with those people and remembering something like key affirmations or phrases like, everything's going to be all right. No matter what happens here, I will find a solution. Everything's going to be all right. And then take a few deep breaths. And you can do this this kind of thing and then start to see like a, sometimes I see like a, pool of white light above my head and just kind of like release it like water and it just rolls down over me like, like, a, like, like a waterfall. And I can feel it, you know, go from the top to the bottom, you know, from head to toe again and again in waves and deep breathing. There are different things like that you can use, different tools and techniques, whatever works. Some people get out, when you get out in nature, it's a lot easier to be clear with uh, your true feelings. And uh, so anyway... That's really important because the whole point of manipulators is to get us out of our true feelings and lost into concepts that trigger emotions that keep us going round and round in circles. A little spiritual understanding here. Some of the uh, mentor of mine and, well, both of ours uh, pointed out some years ago in a very simple way is that even if you talk about science, there's two forms of motion. One is rotary motion. It goes round and round in circles. And it can be that comfy zone. Or it's comfy with things being pretty good or good. Or comfy with things not being so good because you recognize what they are and you feel comfortable with just having them there and it's fearful to go beyond it. And then there's propulsory motion, which would be like round round in circles and cycles, but it moves forward like a spiral. And that's coming up with some kind of solution is starting to move forward as little as possible. Sometimes it's very small steps. And uh, that's the two forms of motion. Now, rotary motion can go backwards. You hear about people getting a downward spiral. Well, that's where they're doing things, that you know, going against themselves, really self-destructive. Going forward is where we're doing things that are self-productive, that are helping us to move forward. We're talking about moving beyond our emotions or an emotional reaction to get beyond that to find solutions. So here's another little hip pocket tool. 
is now talking about true feelings, one thing that our true feelings really like is the basic facts. And there's really like five main facts. It's interesting we have five fingers. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. One goes for each finger, you know? You got what, when, where, why, and who. And we're going to talk about those in a little more depth in a few moments and, re- and relate them to specific things happening around us in society. And so what is the big picture of, you know, what generally it is, when and where are sort of like uh, logistics, why talks a lot about motives, why things are happening, and then who, ah, that's when we begin to see sometimes the source of where things are coming from, what's coming at us from from who. So we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, So one of the things that a manipulator will do or a manipulation will do is to get us to try and see the facts their way or get us into our emotions so we lose the facts and things look different than what they really are. Um, so, I mean, there are certain kinds of emotions that can really hit people strongly. One is dependency. Give us an example of what you're talking about, if you would. Okay. What I'm talking about, uh, different emotions, you might say, of uh, like one very strong one is victimization, that we've been victimized by other people. And then usually the manipulator says, look, you've been victimized by these people over here, and they're never going to let you get ahead. But I can save you. We can save you from that. And so we're going to be your saving grace, you know. Ah, yeah, okay. Pull away from that. That's one. Uh, dependency, oh, you're never going to be able to do this, and, you know, it's just so bad, you're so disadvantaged, or one thing or another. But here, we'll give you this, and now you're de- you're dependent upon us, but now you're taken care of. Don't worry. You don't have to do anything, but when you go to the ballot box, remember who gave you all that. Or when you, you know, think about, you know, doing nice things, you remember who you're going to give them back to. Right. Uh, there's all kinds of forms of, you know, simple manipulation through our emotions. Um Okay, here's uh, one interesting thing. Let's look at some tools. I've been looking at tools of uh, awareness. Getting the facts is one. Looking at uh, the understanding of those uh, main modes of our inner communication, true feelings, emotions, intellect, and understanding those. And that uh, I would call the gotcha zone. That's where we get gotten into our emotions and go round and round in circles. You can tell when you're lost in your emotions. The real key is you're lost in your emotions when you know you're going round and round and round with something that upsets you. You go round and round again and again and again and again. Your true feelings don't waste time with that. They see something, they feel it. Can't that usually be. I'm sorry, can't that usually go back to fear of some kind? Oh, absolutely. Fear of separation, they oftentimes say, is the the mother of all fears, the fear of being separated from something that we feel we need or, or want or whatever. And that fear of separation is one fear, a main fear, that, of course, manipulation, oftentimes, you know, conscious manipulators use. Um, what I like to do is just uh, give a few uh, examples, just like from uh, our past in society. Uh, one thing I'm going to go to, and without getting into a big moral issue thing about it, is uh, a good example a uh, well-documented example that many of us learn about, some about in school, uh, in history is the the most documented dictatorship in history was the Third Reich, the Nazis in Germany in World War II and before that, and how they came to power. I took a good look at this after having counseling experience and training and all that, and I saw that and I went, oh, my goodness, look at this. They're doing exactly what I learned not to do, you know, what I learned to watch out for. Uh, one thing that they did was they became excellent propagandists. And they knew how to, you know, kind of like manipulate people's uh, communication. One thing that they did was they made certain films that are still alive today that are award-winning films in their day and won all the documentary awards. One was called Triumph of the Will. Now, this was done in 1934. Hitler was technically the leader of the country at that time, but they hadn't solidified their power. There was still a lot of other political parties. There was a lot of infighting, and there was a lot of fear uh, still of a, of a civil war. 
And so they put out all this propaganda. And this one film shows, of course, this is the one you see of the the people marching with the, the torches at night and making the sign of swastika, you know, from up, up, up high and uh, riding through a crowd. Here's uh, Hitler riding through, you know, saluting and being saluted by all the children of Germany are saluting Hitler. Well, the truth is, it was in a huge stadium made for it, and hundreds and 150,000 people in the stands, all adults, not children. They brought 74,000 children who were involved in the Hitler Youth Movement at that time there, and they had them on the ground floor, all saluting. Up front, they had the blonde-haired, blue-eyed children. You play it slow, you see the, the darker-haired children behind them. And the point is, they made it look as though the whole country is with us. The whole country is with us. All the children are part of us. The truth is, at that moment, there were over 10 million children involved in youth groups of all types all around the country. The Hitler Youth were only one. And at that time, out of 10 million, they had 74,000 of them there in that stadium. And at that time, there were only 110,000 children involved in the Hitler Youth programs. So they were less than 1%. And they made it look like they were huge. And so they you know, had that kind of misdirection. And this was used, and it was like everybody thought, well, this was to put out a strong image to their former enemies in World War I who had taken over, been given parts of Germany as reparations to show that Germany is now united and you shouldn't stand against us. You don't try to stand against us any longer. We're strong now. We'll rebuild ourselves. That was on oh, down the road. Their first, their first motive was that this was to influence the people of their own country, to let them see that, ah, see, the people really behind us stand against us. That was their main motive for the whole thing. So it can it I just like interject something? They were, they were just... projecting one thing, and really the motive was to literally scare the people who were not for them to stay silent or, oh, my goodness, I guess they're too strong now, and they weren't at that time. They could have easily can I, I'm going to interrupt you one second, Robert. Go ahead. Um, yeah. I just want to sort of bring that, <clears throat> excuse me, bring that back home and bring it back into the, and this affects us how, because... You know, that's exactly. kind of where well, people yeah. are at right now. I, Because I study marketing, I'm kind of a geek, right? And so <laughs> I study marketing for fun because I think it's just fascinating. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> there are actually, um, when they train marketers, they don't say it, but they actually look at a lot of what happened back then in that particular situation. It's interesting you bring that up, that particular group and how they did things. Mm. <clears throat> they actually use those tactics in marketing. And so people may be listening going, yeah, 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 I feel like I'm back in school. Honestly, I can kind of feel the energy like, well, but how does this apply to me? So I just want to bring it back to those are tactics that were used and were incredibly effective, obviously, if you look at history. But but do you understand that now the fast food joint up the street uses the same tactics, you know, to, uh, I mean, it's pretty incredible that, that companies are now using those tactics that that group of people used to inspire you or or manipulate you into doing what they want you to do. So, you know, just to take that as as one, we won't even go into the politics, just understanding that it is everywhere in your life at this point because it was so effective, you know, Mm -hmm. and so... How do you work with that energy? And so can you talk to us a little bit about the energy of how that kind of thing affects us today and how do we spot it and that sort of thing? I go back to the basic tools. If you look at something that hits your emotions and start to get them all cranked up, you know you're probably being approached by some form of manipulation, potentially. And it could be in marketing, could be you know, something you see on TV and people wanting to get you to, you know, do what they want you to do, either to vote a certain way or go buy a certain product. Uh, like in marketing, they talk about different emotions. One is acceptance. Or one is having more and more of something that maybe you already have enough of. Or having the bigger and better. and you know, That kind of emotion is another type of emotion. And... When you take a look at it, you know, how big a TV do you really need? 
when it gets to be 65 inches, you can't even see the whole thing sitting in front of you. You've got to look back and forth across it, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, nothing wrong with that. You know, you just got to sit back farther and farther, uh, bigger and bigger living room. Uh, there's a lot of uh, manipulation that way that, you know, you know you want to have a bigger and better house. You know that improvement means that you're going to have a bigger house and more cars, maybe a fourth and fifth car. And, you know, on one hand, there shouldn't be anything wrong with that. On the other hand, is it past our needs and is it more into our wants? And so heavily playing upon the emotions around our wants is another way that manipulation can happen. It's less, you know, malevolent. It's it's semi-benevolent. It's kind of like garden variety stuff, but it's all around us. And it's nothing new, obviously. And so we become more and more of a consumer-oriented society and then all of a sudden you have a downturn in, you know, like, uh, economics and all that, and people start pulling back, and they start buying less of their consumer stuff. And for a while, they feel like they're really missing, you know, going out and eating at a restaurant maybe eight times a month and only maybe once now. And after a while, they get used to it, and they realize, well, do I really need all that extra stuff? They kind of pull back a little bit. But uh, so that's another way. Uh, another thing, if we take it locally, there are some uh, things that happened uh, were in the news. One was, a again, a political person who said he was going to have a great big uh, town hall meeting. Oh, and so all these members of his political party wanted to come there. And But before that, he had this special interest group that had a meeting in that big hall and completely packed that hall. People were already with him. A certain special interest group. And so when they opened the doors of the public, they said, oh, sorry, no room for anybody else. So the media came in and said, oh, look, this candidate has all these people here. They're really listening. He's really gotten the attention of the community. No, he had arranged for a special interest group to pack the hall. Even the people of his own party, who only, only 50 or 60 of them showed up, not enough to pack the hall, to ask him questions, couldn't get in. So yeah, they were kind of like miffed with the guy. But, you know, he made it look like one thing when really the situation was different because he knew not that many people would show up and it would be shown on the news. So he made it look a different way. There's another program that happened. Uh, it's a school lunch program, actually a school breakfast program. It has a specific name I don't remember at the moment. And it was specifically for children who were underprivileged, who their parents are having trouble affording a good breakfast for them. And they know that... If a kid comes to school hungry, they're going to be losing attention span and all that stuff. So it's best that they have some breakfast in them so that they stay awake and they're more active and get more out of school. So they have this program. Sounds great. Sounds like a positive motive. The people who initiated it in schools said, oh, but that means all the rest of the children, pity, pity here, see emotions. Oh, that's not fair. All the rest of the children uh, are going to feel left out. And so we want to have all the children. That'll make it fair. Okay. So then they started having, say, like a small school of 500 kids. Maybe only 20 to 30 children at the specific school I'm thinking of really were on that program. Before you know it, all 500 children were being fed. Oh, but then, you know, all the, the teachers are coming in. We'll feed the teachers. Too. There's another 50 or 60. They all the administrators got another 20 or 30. So now you've got, you know, 550, 560 people eating off of and using up the taxpayer dollars coming in to help those original 20 to 25 students. And it was starting to happen to different schools all around in that state. Turns out they began to find out that the people who initiated that, really what was happening is that the people who were the suppliers of the food were a special interest group and whatever to help them get elected and their buddies get elected. And so those people were given the contracts bigger and bigger amounts of food coming in. And so it was misdirection. It looks like we're feeling sorry for these people. Oh, let's make it fair. We'll feed all these extra people. When really it was what they were doing was lining the pockets of people who were supplying the program and the people who were, you know. So in other words, misdirection just around us in general in society. But and if we take we... a look at that, you can say look at the facts, what's happening, you know, when, when we feel know, sorry for people like that, or when we feel sorry mm-hmm. for people in general, 
you know, I just there's something that I point out to people that I learned actually from you and some other people um, in that that same time frame in that same group that we worked with. You know, mm-hmm. when we feel sorry for people or feel pity for people, we're actually disrespecting them in a great way. We're saying, you know what? I understand that you you don't have it together enough to handle anything, so I'm just going to handle it for you because I'm so much better than you. Bingo. I know I know so much better about what you need, and I, I have zero belief in you, and I, I know that you're not going to be able to handle things yourself, and so I'm just going to step in and make sure that everything's taken care of the way I know it ought to be. And so it's really when you know when people move into that pity mode, I find at least it's a way of not looking at your own stuff, you know, mm, and mm-hmm. you're just stepping all over somebody else's, you know, you're Good not point. believing in them, you're not respecting them. And uh, and so when we, for me anyway, when I feel that pity vibe move into anything that I'm involved in, I step right the heck out. I'll have nothing to do with it because I'm not going to disrespect the people that you're supposed to be giving a hand up to. You know, mm-hmm. and so I'll find a different way to be of service, or I'll talk to the other people involved. And if they, if they get what I'm talking about, great. If they don't, if they're so entrenched in that, that pity thing, then it's an extremely unhealthy, uh, energetic space to be in. You know, and and God help you if you're the person that they're pitying. Oh my goodness, because they just completely feel like they have the right to take over your life. You know, and so if somebody moves into a group that is pitying somebody else and wanting to reach out and help because they're in that pity vibration, get the hell out of there, man, and find another way to handle it because you're moving into very unhealthy territory and it's in nobody's best interest to be there. One word that's come up in recent years is called codependent, where the people who are feeling sorry for are enabling people who are feeling sorry for themselves and they maybe don't have the skills or whatever. And then some people, when they get dependent, feel like they're owed that now, they're living, and so then they do anything to try and keep that, you know, that dependency, you know, that handout to them. Now, it's kind of like, take it back to being a parent. You're a parent, I'm a parent. Many of us have that opportunity in life. Is that what we do with our children, or how do we do it with our children? Don't we do we still? Oh, sweetheart, you just you're my child. You're always going to be my child. I'll put a little Susie down for you. And I don't know I'll, what I'll you're talking about, Robert. For you, I'll, I'll, I'll wipe your bum for you. You know, we'll help you dress your little clothes. You know, it's thirty years old now, but we'll keep it because you're my little child. Or do we say, you know, I want my child to be able to stand on their own as much as possible. You know, before they go to school, they got to be able to dress themselves and go to the bathroom and eat and on their own and cut their own food or whatever. And then it's like helping them have the tools, either get a greater education, the tool of understanding. One tool of understanding is when you go out into a street, because if you have two-way traffic, you look both ways, or else you're going to get slammed by a car, potentially. And so we do things to help people, our children, have the skills of understanding to be able to move out into and lead a, a lead a life and lead a better and better life, hopefully. But why is it then we have these other people who are dependent and we don't give them the same respect and we don't give them the same ability to just, well, you know, what we can do is we can have you learn more tools to be able to get a job, you know, and you know, skills of different kinds of work to be able to get and keep a job, and the skills of how you, you know, actually get a job, and people to help you actually get a, get a job. And they have things like that, but a lot of people don't take advantage of it or not really good advantage of it. And there will always be some people who want to be dependent. But I, I feel that there are a lot of people who just want the skills to be able to move forward and build a better life because that's what this is all about to me is, you know, the understanding to be able to build a better life, step beyond where we're lost in that rotary motion and get into the propulsory motion and moving forward again and having that sense of inner fulfillment from doing something that looks like it's better for us in life. And uh, one thing that manipulators like to do with the dependency trip is to keep you there in rotary motion going round and round in that comfy little holding pattern. And so that's a very dangerous place to be, but actually a lot of people don't see it that way. They get lost in that. They feel that somebody else is doing for them. It could be politically. It could be in a family. 
could be uh, in a community, could be in a certain kind of uh, a religious group sometimes do that. I see another opposite. There's one religious group that has a program like that, well, named them, it's the Mormons. And they have a thing where you're uh, out of work, you can come to them, and they'll give you, like, six months at a time, they'll give you, you know, like, the equivalent of, like, welfare, food and all that. But you have to go in front of a, a group of, you know, uh, elders of the church, and you have to uh, tell them what your situation is and what your plan to get out of it is, and they can recommend, you know, schooling and all that stuff, and that if you want the free food, you have to exchange your time for it. You're going to come and work in the food bank and help organize it and hand it out to the people. And so they do that, and after six months, they look at it and say, okay, what have you done? And if it looks like they're really not moving forward, they might give them another chance. But after that, sometimes they may even drop a person and just tell them, look, you know, it's best for you to be able to move forward. Here's the schooling to get more training. We'll help you get that and move forward so you don't need our help anymore. Or would you rather be dependent upon us? And, you know, and so they try and, you know, they have some sort of a program. Uh, it would be nice if our government had something more like that, but they don't seem to move forward like that. There seems to be a lot of that going on in many governments. They just don't seem to be organized enough to get beyond the dependency phase of the handout and in the phase two of getting the tools and the, the learning and whatever to be able to move out into life and beyond dependency. And the way you can talk about it taxation-wise, there's like the, the whole sector of society that's dependent or non-productive for a time, and people who are taxpayers and tax, you know, tax-paying, and they're productive. So how do you help people get from being non-productive and dependent upon tax money into being productive so that they actually wind up being taxpayers, lo and behold, and money goes back into the government? Wow. Sounds like an investment to me. So, I mean, that's just one thing looking at it, you know, society-wise. But we also look at that like with family. Uh, like people like in sometimes you have rough times, you go to a family member, they might loan you some money. You know, the low family rate of return, you know, I mean, it might be a small amount of interest or maybe no interest. But the point is it's an investment. Uh, I've done that with people. People have done that with me to help me help you know, move forward and get out of my situation and keep on going. So it can be done as, you know, instead of dependency, it can be done as investment in somebody to help them move forward. Instead of manipulation, it's about helping people to be, you know, move forward. So that's kind of what <coughs> so, I was going to talk about. Well, so when, we, when we're looking around at society around us, and, you know, because it's not necessarily a political show, but on the other no. hand, when we look at the different things of society through our culture, through <clears throat> other places, whatever it may be, it all comes down to energy and how it flows mm-hmm. and which, which flow of energy they're choosing to be a part of. So, and then, you know, the beauty is a lot of times we feel like, well, we're just stuck in this game and we don't even make the rules and <laughs> all of this, but... The reality is that we choose which energies we want to align with the majority of the time. I mean, yes, there are times that you have to deal with certain aspects that maybe you would prefer not to, but ultimately, for the majority of our lives, we can decide which part of that energy we want to harmonize with or which part of that game we want to uh, be included in if we're aware of it. So what happens is, from my my experience anyway is a lot of times people are unaware that they even have a choice or worse yet that there's Mm -hmm. even a game going on. And so if we can look at it energetically, so when we find ourselves in the, uh, in the position of having to go for help or having to, um, or be the one who is being gone to for help, whichever, whichever side of the coin you land on, how do we, in your opinion, from what you've seen, how do we figure out whether we like that or not, and is this where we want to be? And if so, are we able to set our own boundaries, or are we just stuck with the way it is? You know, like what is it that you see? How can people step out and get a feel for or identify when this game is going on, you know? You know what That's I'm saying? a good one. That, yeah, it goes right down to 
cuts to the quick of you know, the people close around us sometimes. I was using the political thing first only in history because those are things that are obvious out there in society so we can sort of take a look. Now let's go a little bit closer like what you're talking about. Uh, family. Um, I don't know if any of you can raise your hand to the fact that you know you jumped in to help a family member or a close friend and they just don't get out of their situation. They keep going on and on and on and keep coming back to you for more and more and more. And I had a situation like that where I worked with uh, a close family member and I wound up nearly going bankrupt. And I just didn't know what to do. And I really had lost a sense of, you know, possibilities. The best possibility was to back away. And then that person did have to go for help from charitable organizations and I can still help that person, but now I've set a boundary of a specific amount that I don't go beyond in a month, and it's a very small amount. For, you know, helping them get you know, small things that they need, you know, some underwear, some bit of clothing or whatever, because now they're getting their food and everything else in their shelter from somewhere else. And, you know, I keep talking to them about, you know, what about in the future? What would you like to see? How would you like your life to be? If there's a possibility, this is one thing, there's a past, present and the future to absolutely everything in life. And if we feel that there is no possibility in the future, we go round and round in the present with what we know from the past. And that's what I saw my family member doing, and I was going round and round there too, and then I realized I had to pull away. And she, you know, she hit the wall. It was tough for a while. And she's in a better situation now. <clears throat> and what I talked to her about is, what would you like to see in your future? <laughs> if you could have your own place again and you could, you know, connect with other people who do the kind of things she's a writer, things you like to do and um, how much better life would be. I also had another family member who was an alcoholic uh, that uh, I talked about in the former show. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole thing of when I talked to that person, that person wanted my pity or wanted me to judge her so she could, you know, feel bad and go back and drink. And I said, you know, I love you, and I see what you're doing is going to harm yourself and maybe wind up killing you. And I'm going to cry at your funeral, but I can't stop you because that's going to come from inside you. However, there is, you know, potentially in the future, there is this wonderful place where you can go, and there's three things they can do that give you a you know, sense of medicine that takes away the urge to drink. And number two, they help you get healthier. And number three, they got some people to talk to to figure out how you got there and you don't ever have to go back. How about that? Eventually, her pain and suffering of her situation got larger and her fear of moving towards that potential thing that might make, you know, she didn't know where it would go in the future, that was a solution. And she made that step. She stepped over into it. After 35 years of uh, alcoholism, she finally went into this program, came out, and she spent the last 11 years of her life, uh, you know, sober and actually at peace with herself, which, you know, she was ready, though. And the point is, like, with our children, are they ready to learn how to ride a bike at the age of two, a two-wheel bike? Maybe not. Maybe they need a three-wheel one because they don't have the sense of balance yet, you know. And so it's going patiently, you know, uh, along and helping people at their own speed. But there's no sense of being able to move forward with a solution potentially for the future, then there's no desire to want to move away from where we are. So that's uh, one thing we're talking about with that. And I think that there are manipulators I have heard who talk about the victimization thing. <clears throat> this is how you've been in the past. This is how you're in the present. That's going to be your future. And the only solution is we're going to protect you from that. So you come into our organization and we'll protect you. And then what they do is they use them for money or votes or one thing or another. And that's a big thing. So past, present, and future. If the future looks hopeless, then it's time to get back into, again, tuning back into our true feelings, that inner self, and take a look at it and find out what are potential solutions that, you know, might be out there. It might be something very simple. And it might be that intuition thing of, well, let's go to this bookstore. You know, you go to that bookstore and boom, this one book pops out at you. And you start reading that and, wow, that's cool. You read certain ideas and it leads you to somebody else and something else and suddenly you have a major solution out in front of you of where you can go and get different work or find different people to relate to that 
I can be around you that are more positive. Um, little things, and maybe the maybe the uh, inspiration is just to find people doing the kind of things that you would rather be doing. So when you're with them, it's a lot easier to stay in that mindset of wanting to move forward on the things that you really would rather do. So there's all kinds of things. We were talking earlier about, or last time we talked about, inner manipulation. And that's kind of like being able to get beyond the inner manipulation and being lost in our own thought patterns and move forward. So it works on a personal sense, but also as we see it in the world around us. It's just a matter of being slippery so we don't get gotten. We don't get in that gotcha zone of being lost in our emotions. I like that gotcha zone. I kind of, I kind of like that. <laughs> well, you know, the other thing that occurs to me as you're talking is <clears throat> that reality is truly a choice because we've got all these mm. different realities around us. And so as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, it's really just a matter of deciding what you want your normal to be. Like for me, you know, I I kind of have, <clears throat> I mean, obviously we go through our things in life, but, you know, for me normal is, you know, people helping other people and being in a place of compassion and really positive, always moving forward kind of. And if you get in a rut, you get yourself up out of it. Like you just do it faster the better because otherwise you're going to be stuck there. <coughs> now, I have people close to me who have chosen a different normal. And so, you know, I have people in my in my life, in my family, whatever, who have decided to go a different route. And whether it's by choice or just because they didn't, you know, that's the thing is we don't, if we're not making a choice, Rush said it well in their song, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. So if we're not we picking our reality, then our reality will just come. And so one of the things that comes to me is you can choose what you want to be normal. You know, like for me, I was a single mom living in, I mean, I, you know, I started out married and we had a nice life and everything was peachy and, and we were, you know, we drove nice new cars that we bought cash and it was all manifesting. It was all very, um, it was all manifested. We worked very hard at it, but then things shifted for my spouse and he chose a different reality as well as a different wife and family and whatever. And my reality shifted very quickly. And so I had to really work not to be drawn into what seemed to be normal, and Robert was with me through through all of these years, you know, I had to yeah. work very hard not to fall into the quote reality of I'm a single mom in a bad neighborhood raising two boys who, you know, could easily go the wrong direction. And, and you know, I I worked very hard to keep my norm of the same, you know, manifesting and positive thinking and moving forward and doing something with my life <clears throat> that was um, kind of close to my, my path, you know. Well, that's not the norm that some other people in my family saw, and they chose to go a different route where to them normal was getting in trouble with the police and having records and getting into, you know, getting in with bad crowds and that kind of thing. And despite the fact that they were in my home living in that same energy of, of what I was teaching as normal, they chose a different norm, right? Both my kids chose their own, what they perceived as normal. Now, one went one direction, one went completely the other, where he made friends with kids in the really nice neighborhood, and he spent most of his time at their houses where, and I would say it was more in line with what I was teaching because they were people who were manifesting the nice houses, the nice cars, the the good opportunities. You know, he got to go mm. to, um, uh, what do you call it? Oh, in Utah, the skiing place, like the super nice skiing oh, place. Yeah. I forget. Parks. No, not, I don't know. Anyway, <clears throat> he got to go there for Thanksgiving with a friend. and So he kind of stuck with oh, manifesting the norm that I had I had been teaching them, and the other one kind of went another direction. And and so it's interesting to see how, like, it really is a choice because we were all living in the same home, you know, and we were all manifesting mm -hmm. 
completely different paths. And so to me, this is, without a doubt, it shows that it is a choice. What you want to be your normal is what you align yourself with. And if you don't make a choice, if you just resign yourself to, well, I live in this neighborhood and this is my background and this is what my normal is going to be because that's just how it is, you're not even recognizing that you have a choice and you're not putting in the effort to make anything change. And so if you just start seeing normal through other people's eyes that you would like to be more like or have an experience more like theirs, then just start like, you know, um, Wayne Dyer is a good one. There are quite a few different Mm -hmm. people that you can just start listening to their teachings. And that's a lot of what Robert and I have done through the years is, hey, did you hear this one or did you see that one? And we kind of recommend programs back and forth. And that's how we've maintained our sense of what we choose as normal. And although it's a little different, it's, it's similar. And so we share a lot of those tools. And so just to let people know that, you know, Yes, there's this manipulation and the gotcha zone and all that stuff, but it's your choice as to whether you step into it or not. And that's kind of why we do shows like this here and there. I mean, it's not really a political show or whatever, but it's more about helping you guys see that if you can identify what's happening and step out of the game for a minute and decide where you would like to be in it, what position Mm -hmm. do you want to play in this game? Because you have a choice, you know? It's all just a game. (laughs) So you just find that vibration of energy that you would prefer to align with and and just make it so. Well, say tools of practical awareness. And again, like I like to call it hip pocket tools, things you can carry with you that are, you could probably put all the main tools on a couple of three by five cards and keep them in your your pocket. And uh, just as a reminder. And, you know, because that's the whole thing is when you need some alligators, you know, you forget that your intention is to drain the swamp. That's when you pull out the hip pocket tool. What do I remember? Let me review the things that I knew that really did work. Oh, these things, you know. It would be a good right. idea to keep them written down. It doesn't have to be a whole lot. It can be simple and straightforward. That's what I'm trying to look at here is simple, straightforward tools <laughs> like you're talking about. Uh, right. Awareness. Whether you see it on the outside of you or the inside or the family, um, one other word for you talking about what, what uh, people you were talking about is choosing their own reality. Sometimes people choose their own reality out of rebellion because exactly. they feel that they, that's a whole show in itself. <laughs> right. Uh, Indeed. So we have about there. seven minutes left. I just want to um, share that with you so that if there's anything you would like to hit, um, mm. Specifically, you've got about seven minutes. I think it all comes back to being able to, and again, remember, maybe even writing them down, two, three by five cards, tools for, you know, inner awareness, tools of awareness to help, you know, recognize and move beyond any kind of manipulation, whether it's outside or whether it's our own concepts within us. And you'll put those down on paper so you can remind yourself when zoning gets tough, it helps to have that little reminder to pull out. And sometimes it's a simple stuff like, you know, when things are bad, you know, you know, Robert, when things are bad, you need to cleanse and get in your feel good again and go back out and look at the clouds. I, I, I go outside, I look at the clouds, the sky, and I start to depressurize. You know, it just helps. Or a beautiful right. sunrise or sunset. Just something simple like that, just to get back to square one of who I am. And then it's easy to start to see, is this, you know, this manipulation, is this me or is this not me? That was another tool. You know, you pat your chest and say, this is me, and you say, everything out there, that's not me. Oh, I'm, I'm one with all things. Yes, but do we want to take all things and everybody's communication in? You know, what's going on inside my head, what's really me and my thinking and what's the thinking coming in from the outside that's shifting me one way or another? Is this me or is this something from outside? If it's something from the outside, consciously, is it something, and, again, decide reality-wise, is this something I want to be involved in? Is this going to help me or is this not going to help me? And being able to consciously, again, make a conscious choice. Like you're talking about what you want to decide you know, to go with, free will. 
Right, and I think it's important to remember you have a choice. Just because they're saying one thing oh, or yeah. showing something else doesn't mean that that's where you have to go. I know that, you know, for the longest time they'll they'll say, you know, well, this is just this reality, and they're it's not true. Whether they think it is or they're just saying that to put you in wherever they want you to be or whatever, I'm, I'm specifically, I'm looking out my window at all the, the geoengineering, we call it now, instead of chemtrails, we want to use the politically correct term to get them to do something about it, but the trails in the sky that everybody for the longest time, and still, I guess, are saying are trails for airlines. Well, I grew up with a, a pilot for a father, and I know, I know a lot about airlines and aircraft and all of that, and no, those are not the contrails from the, <laughs> from the airlines people. Um, those are just ice crystals and they melt, so that's why they disappear after the plane leaves. These are trails that stay in the sky, and that's a whole other show, but I'm looking out there at these trails, and, and for the longest time they're going, oh, no, those are just clouds, and, I'm, and the people are listening. They're not, you know, now people are finally speaking up, but, oh, my God, it's taken how many years of people going, oh, no, no, those are just the trails from the airlines. No, no, they're not. <laughs> you know, how... How is it? And people just go, oh, okay. I was looking at, um, there was, and we only have a couple of minutes left, but I just want to put this out there because it was powerful. There was a picture, there was a thing on Facebook about, you know, things that animals have done that are just like, what the heck, you know? And one of them was this, it was like 10,000 sheep or something. It was some insane number of sheep, thousands though, literally thousands of sheep, <clears throat> and they're just following the sheep in front of them, you know, and they do call us sheeple for a reason. So the sheep are mm-hmm. following the sheep in front of them. Some of the sheep accidentally fell off this cliff. Well, thousands of sheep just followed them right off the cliff, and, and thousands of them died, and then the remaining couple of thousands lived because they landed on the bodies of the dead sheep. And I yeah. looked at that, and it was a horrible picture they showed but I was just yeah. like, oh, my God, this is, you know, this is very a pictorial view of what people will on occasion do because, and unfortunately more and more often, because they don't stop and go, whoa, uh, I don't think I want to do that. I don't think that's a good idea. I think I'm going to go this other way. <clears throat> and, yes, I may go alone, but I'm not going over the cliff with the rest of the sheep. You know, and so it's, opting to make that choice and not being like the rest of the sheeple. And is that what you want to be? If it is what you want to be, then more power to you, free will, you know. But at least stop and make the choice, you know. And that goes with spiritual awakening. It goes with opening up and being compassionate and loving and vulnerable and strong and whatever it may be. And just stepping outside, I think that's what we've lost in this, you know, we used to have more space between people and that kind of thing. Now that we're in these hive societies and hive mentalities, which we also have a show on hive mentality, um, we don't step away to stop and go, okay, but what do I think about this? And I think if we boil everything down to this show, that's kind of what Robert is saying, to step aside, stop, and go, what do I think about this? You know, so you know, we have just one, one minute. So sorry to take a is that uh, there's that like and asking intelligent questions. Remember that we can go back in and ask intelligent questions. Like if something didn't work right, okay, well, what can I do differently next time? A manipulator, conscious manipulators will say, "Look, you blew it. You can't do anything right. I'm going to tell you what to do. You, you just you know listen to me." Right. And so that can happen in families and so on and so forth. As we become adults, we know how to ask, do those intelligent questions. I was going to ask you to do a, a guided meditation. Well, there's enough time. You know what? I got to say, we've not done guided meditations on here in quite some time because there hasn't been time. Oh. So, and <coughs> also the cough that I've got going on just it's been it's been hanging on for over oh. a month now. So there hasn't been a guided okay. meditation. But if you go way back in the archives, they're there. So uh, anyway, yeah. I want to thank everybody for joining us. I want to thank Robert for joining us. We've got about 20 seconds left, so I'm going to say keep your eyes out for the new and improved mysticaltruth.com. I just need to get it up and replace the old site with the new one. It's all done. Um, and I want to encourage you guys to check out sacredlightofsedona.com. I am no longer there. 
because I'm out on my own now, but it's still a fabulous center, so check it out. And uh, also holisticnaturalco.com for Eat Conscious and Be Merry Amazing Cookbook. Everybody have a great day. Thank you, Robert. And uh, we'll talk to you all soon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.